the purveyors of money whether banker or government printing office, is hiding a dirty little secret. Conventional forms of money is nothing more than a fictitious commodity created by a purveyor of goods and services and is being bartered to gain control of real property. We know money regardless of its form is not readily available. Money has what economists call scarcity value. One earns money from someone who has available funds, unless one is a banker or state. If one is a banker, then one gets to literally make money. When gold was used as currency, one could find gold and use it as money by weight. But this use of gold was considered barter. If one is in prison, it is possible to use cigarettes as a currency. Each cigarette is considered to represent a single unit of value. Of course, cigarettes are not much use if one wishes to bribe guards or buy a firearm. But gold was inconvenient for the purchase of candies or a button. When a commodity is used as a currency there is a problem of scale. But this is just the problem of barter manifesting itself when something that is not infinitely divisible is used as a medium of exchange. The essential feature of a currency is scalability. To be scalable the currency needs to be infinitely divisible. Checks can be made out for every conceivable sum. The payable on-demand amount can go from one cent to any value whatsoever, yet the physical check remains the same size. Credit cards share many of the attributes of a check but are more convenient to use. But currency in the traditional sense is still barter. The commodity used in the medium of exchange is still an asset that is issued in multiple values, the way gold and cigarettes are packaged or minted. We may think checks and credit cards are convenient forms of money, but they are not infinitely divisible, because what they represent is always finite. There is only so much credit on the credit card and only so much money in the checking account. The invention of money has made barter more convenient, but digitalization of an asset has not eliminated the drawbacks of using a commodity as a medium of exchange. It did not matter how much gold was mined if governments and investors hoarded it. The economy would always lack gold. Any scarce asset would always command a premium especially for those who needed it to make large transactions. Thus, was born the bill of lading and other financial instruments that allowed gold to remain in the vault. The value of the gold could serve as a medium of exchange whilst the gold could still be hoarded. This strategy caused its own problems. There was no way of knowing how much gold was available to back the printed currency. When one needed to covert paper into gold there was often surprising little of it on hand. Much of the early money was issued by private interests, simply because local banks were neighbors and seemed more trustworthy than merchant bankers and government agents. But local banks and gold merchants were always subject to robbery, runs and bad management. The problems were always local but frequent enough that local banking lost support and the state became the issuer of fiat currencies. Legal tender was backed by the power of the government to tax the people. The subject became the collateral of the government's debt. So long as the state could levy taxes its debt seemed secure. Fiat currency could be accepted as payment for all debts, foreign and domestic, 
because governments could always print legal tender or tax it back, if it wished. Meaning, fiat money would always be accepted by merchants of goods and services. But printing money to pay for expenses was a temptation the Chancellor of the Exchequer could not resist. Governments tended to print enormous amounts of money to pay for wars and new palaces. This caused inflation. Then the people, at least in the West, decided the power to print money ought to be in the hands of bankers, once again. This decision was helped along by the bankers, themselves. In any case central banks were created with the sole purpose to lend money to the state. Central bank money is interest-bearing debt. Debt is a commodity banks are able to create and sell at a profit. Debt as negative value can be issued in any amount. There is no limit on negative values and nothing hindering its production other than the solvency of the buyer. In the case of governments, the tolerance for amassing debt is astronomically high. The point is, debt is still an asset because it has value to bankers and has all the same problems as any commodity when used as a medium of exchange. Why ought anyone be permitted to make debt available? The idea of making money from debt gave rise to the odd idea of having money work for the investor. Money as an asset is supposed to be employed but not as a gun might in a robbery. Lending money is like selling money at a premium. Just because it is possible does not make it right. Lending money may seem innocuous from a particular vantage point. But it seems odd that one group ought to have a monopoly over the means of exchange. The banking system is not so different from the reciprocity of the medieval system. The lord owned the land and most of the productive machinery. The peasant did the work and shared the larger portion with the lord who, being fond of luxury, took all of the peasant's surplus time and applied it to satisfying his own wants. The medieval economy found progress difficult, being restricted to producing only what was needed to supply the peasants with basic necessities while suppling a few nobles with every conceivable luxury. An economy in which cash is king is a much different thing than one in which debt predominates. The move away from the gold standard to central banking was more about moving from cash to debt than anything else. The gold standard did not allow the elites to control the money supply nor profit from it the way they wanted. Now gold could be lent out, but there was a lot of risk in lending out the actual metal. A promissory note backed up by the gold, owned by a reputable goldsmith, was more often used as an instrument of debt, or what now called paper wealth. If a person with gold did not spend it, it would appreciate in value as demand increased. The more gold hoarded, the more it appreciated in value. The gold in bank vaults is valued at more than $1,800 an ounce. But let the central bank spend it and the value of their holdings would decline to $5 an ounce. This is why gold is more often paper wealth than marketable wealth. But bank credits as an asset can be multiplied to infinity. Even though it loses its value over time to inflation, Debt is constantly renewed like a phoenix rising from the ashes. $1,000 in debt may be liquidated in $1 payments. After a year the $1 is only worth 50 cents. But more money is borrowed. 
the borrower borrows $2,000 and pays $2 a month. The lender is not limited in the amounts he can lend. The borrower is limited by how much he or she can borrow, by the constraints created by the rate of inflation. But inflation cannot be eliminated when we use bank debt because the inflation is created by the monetary system itself. Too much lending means too much interest being paid as a proportion of the money volume, and this creates higher inflation. So, lending has to be curtailed as a percentage of spending. Debt spending is not substantially different from the gold standard, which is not that distinct from fiat money, though they may seem different. All conventional monetary systems use a converted asset as a means of exchange. Gold is created by God, fiat currency is created by the state, and debt by banks. But they are all assets, and all are legally owned by the state of its subjects. What we need is a normative currency issued by a normative economic system, meaning an economics based on moral values. Nations are not the state and citizens are not subjects and money is not an asset. The use of assets as money is demonic and we will explain why. The main reason conventional forms of currency are demonic is because they are not based on moral values, they get their value from the false scarcity of the owner. Conventional monetary systems use owned or commercial products as a medium of exchange. This does not fully cover the problem of the corruption of what money is, however. Normative currency is created from equity and is money because it is a unit of account. There is no need to use a manufactured product as a medium of exchange. All a normative economy needs is a unit of account to track value transfers. Assets have use only in barter. Digitalized commodities turned into money is just a form of barter. Normative currencies are simply units of account with no value, because that is what money is, it has no labor content. Currency that is an asset and owned has labor content which makes it an asset. It can be bartered it cannot serve as a unit of account. Everything that is an asset contains a labor component. Assets can be bartered directly or indirectly by the addition of a unit of account, but assets cannot be bought or sold or transferred without the residual value of labor impacting the value of the currency. Gold has a commercial value and printed pieces of paper have value also. Both contain the labor value put into them during their manufacture. When one spends a gold coin one is not just giving up the face value but also the bullion value. All the gold in the world in circulation and all the gold in the world hoarded have two different and distinct values. An economy is composed of barter exchanges, either in direct barter or with the intervention of a unit of account to track the movement of value. But to engage in direct or indirect barter requires labor be packaged in transportable packets. We have to have goods and services available, and they need to be transferable from seller to buyer before we enter the market. The use of an asset as currency or the transformation of an asset into a monetized commodity permits unfunded liabilities to be created. Conventional forms of money are third-party claims on the nation's wealth. This is demonic because the only claim a person has on the economy is the claim that comes from the production of equity or labor. 
A third party cannot create claims on the economy and sell them to the highest bidder. These are bogus claims. They ought not be recognized. In other words, the state, a bank or another financial institution cannot give a customer or client access to the market. If they do it is fraud and ultimately a crime against humanity because of the scale of the theft. If I create an arrowhead, I have something to trade. If I create i.o.us and sell them to clients who can acquire arrowheads, and whatever else they wish, by the use of the IOU. I engaged in scam of monstrous proportions.